Welcome to Embracing the Journey, a program focused on the freedom that comes from being able to talk about death. I'm Lori Burkhart Frank. Today we will learn about a diverse organization, Metal Health. Metal Health provides support and guidance for individuals and families to live well in the face of health challenges. By tending to the gaps in healthcare system, they help people focus on what's most important to each individual. With us today is Sonia Dolan, Metal Health co-founder and director of operations, and Lady Bird Morgan, registered nurse, medical social worker, and registered cranial sacral therapist. Welcome, Sonia and Lady Bird. Thank you. Thank you, Laurie. Thanks for having us. It's really good to have you here. And I'm going to start with Sonia. Could you tell us about Metal Health? What do you do and where did the name Metal Health come from? Yeah, yeah, I'd be happy to. And thank you again for for having us here. So, you know, you described a little bit about it um, at the intro. And mental health is a bit of um, a twist on traditional palliative care and that we're not acting as a true medical provider. I've been calling it kind of a philosophy of palliative care. And what that looks like is helping patients and caregivers and their families um, navigate the practical, the emotional, the existential concerns that are related to all types of um, serious illness, end-of-life issues, and grief. So logistically, um, that looks like a, a team, a virtual team of palliative care clinicians who provide an extra layer of support, um, helping people navigate the healthcare system, encouraging self-advocacy, and just offering a safe place um, to kind of talk out what they're going through and make decisions. So we're not a, um, a replacement for traditional medical care. Uh, we provide guidance and counseling and insights to people who are working through issues related to illness, like expectation management, and just living with that illness um, amidst a lot of other topics. So we work with a lot of patients and caregivers who are navigating um, illnesses and just need an extra um, dose of support along the way to understand both what they're going through with their illness, but also what they're going through with their treatment with the medical system. And Lady Bird, would you like to add anything to that description? Oh, it's pretty, it's a fantastic description. Thank you, Sonia. It's really clear. I mean, that's really what we're here for. We're not, what's lovely about the program is that we're not the primary care practitioners for any one person. So the the clinicians actually get to broaden their capacity to talk about um, a range of topics as well versus maybe just only being able to talk about the medical social work challenges if you're the medical social worker. So um, it's actually an open palette for everyone involved. And the one thing that I... Oh, sorry. I'm so sorry. I forgot to mention, um, you know, where the name metal. Yes, that was, I was going to ask you. (laughs) Sorry about that. Um, So the word really, we're using it as its definition here, that inner resilience inside of a person. So our thing isn't, we're going to become the service for you, or we're going to, we're going to do everything for you. We really want to partner with our clients, the people that we're working with and draw out that inner resiliency inside of them. So they feel ready to face what's coming with confidence. And it may be difficult and it may be beautiful, but understanding what their place is in that and moving forward. Yeah, I'm glad you 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 did go back to that because I I saw that like at first I'm thinking mental health, but it's M E T T L E, and then yeah. I saw a definition and it is really a beautiful definition. Yeah, yeah, it just seems to fit perfectly. Well, would each of you tell me a little, or tell our audience a little bit about yourselves and why you're drawn to this type of work? Um, Lady Bird, would you mind starting? No, sure. Thank you, Lori. Um, 
I, so as you mentioned, I'm a nurse and a social worker and have been working in healthcare since around 1999. So it's been a little while. Um, and what I found is that it's really, it's just, it's hard to be alive. It's hard to be a human on the planet. And it didn't really matter what area I was working in. If I was in the hospital, if I was in the clinic, um, working with individuals or communities, it's, there's just such a challenge to, to surviving and to being alive. And metal to me is it's like the perfect um it's it's what i'm striving for as well i'm also trying to figure out how to be here how to do this in the right way how to find the most out of my own life and so working with people who are navigating chronic illnesses challenges in their life helps me to also understand what it takes to to do this human journey and so i'm i'm inspired by the work and drawn to this work not so much because i'm focused on changing healthcare or making things perfect for people, but because together we're really figuring out how to do this. And it's certainly a community effort. Um, so I love how supportive it is. And that's what's drawn me to, to be a part of mental health for sure. And Sonia, what about yourself and, and how you got involved in this and, and why you were drawn to this kind of work? Yeah, I'm, um, I come at it from a different lens. So I, um, I am not medically trained. Um, I worked in event planning when my mom was diagnosed with lung cancer. And just going through the experience with her in um, my mid to late 20s and just kind of being on the sidelines of care and then going through the hospice experience and realizing how little um, I knew about this process and then the immense, amazing, amazing help that we got from the hospice agency who came to care for my mom really threw my entire work trajectory out the window. So after um, my mom passed, I just I realized that I wanted to do something that I really cared about, not just something that was a job. So um, I quit the position I was in and I started working for um, Hospice by the Bay, which is now by the Bay Health, and just really loved every aspect of it, loved the people we were working with, um, loved the clients that we had, and just kind of found something that I really, really, truly cared about. And for me, um, it's wanting to provide um, that extra layer of education and guidance to people like my father and I were in the position with my mom where we didn't really know what questions to ask, um, things to do. So the end of her life by no means was what I consider bad. Um, I'm very thankful for the experience she had, but I think it would have been different if we had known what types of questions to ask, things to um, think about before treatment. So I want to be that place for others who are in the same position. Well, I really want to talk about palliative care because mm -hmm. you've mentioned hospice, um, mm -hmm. and I know that um, you are not a hospice organization. Is that correct? Correct. So what, yes. what is palliative care and um, what is its role in our healthcare model? Yeah, I'm so glad you asked. It's a great question and it's something that um, people are really confused about because it's been partnered with hospice care. So palliative care is an interdisciplinary approach to care that focuses on mitigating suffering with for people who have chronic illnesses, not always terminal, but they're living with illness. And because it includes terminal diagnosis, it's been partnered with hospice care. And I mean, I can't give you the exact reason why it was partnered in that way, but because of the payer model, um, sometimes people just equate those two together and you only qualify for palliative care if you are really closer toward to the end of life. But the truth is that palliative care 
should really be offered in tandem with your with all of your care. Um, it actually helps decrease um, symptoms and improve your quality of life and allows you to focus on the things that you want to focus on, not just treatments. Um, but again, because of our payer system, a lot of times it's only included when people are getting close to the end of their life. And so then it turns into hospice care um, at that point. But they work together, but one is not the other. Or I guess hospice is palliative care, but palliative care is not just hospice. So it's a really important distinction. And the payment system for palliative care is also somewhat complicated. And so you might have a chronic illness that doesn't qualify for payment in the Medicare system, but you actually do really qualify for palliative care in terms of a team approach to the treatment. And so the interdisciplinary approach is that you have a doctor and a nurse and a social worker and somebody who's focused on the spiritual aspects and elements, sometimes even an occupational therapist or a massage therapist, acupuncture. You have a range of people who are looking at you as in, in a whole versus just a specialist um, looking at one part of your system. So it's quite lovely. It's In my mind, it's really just human, <laughs> human care. Um, it's not really very complicated. And the sad part is that sometimes it, people imagine that they need to stop having um, active treatment, but it's really not true for palliative care. And, and Sonia, would you say that mental health is mostly palliative care? Yeah, we wrestle with this one for a lot of the reasons that Lady Bird was just saying around the misconceptions of what hospice and palliative care are. Um, the service that we have built is very much based on providing palliative care, um, but it's a little different in the from the medical model in that we're not doing any prescribing around symptom management and are able to have these much, much bigger conversations. So that's why I earlier called it more of a, a philosophy um, of palliative care. Mm-hmm. But we definitely speak with a lot of our clients about hospice care and want to make sure that they understand um, what that type of care is versus the type of care that we're providing. So while we do not provide true hospice care in the way someone would receive it um, in a Medicare, you know, eligible um, agency, we definitely talk with our clients about what it is and, you know, giving them the information that they need to determine if hospice care is right for them. Yeah. And so the hospice care, as Lady Bird was saying, um, that's where people are not continuing on with any treatment, perhaps for, for cancer, whatever their terminal diagnosis is. And with palliative care, just, just again, because it took me a long time to, to yeah. get this, and there might be yeah. people out there that don't understand, what would be different? Let's say I, I was reading on your website about maybe people with MS, multiple sclerosis. Um, mm-hmm. What would be different about them just seeing their regular doctor versus adding maybe palliative care to that? Yeah, well, I mean, you would do both. And I guess the difference is that if your regular doctor doesn't feel comfortable having a lot of different conversations or isn't very knowledgeable about symptom management or how to navigate your sex life with your partner when you have MS or some of the more complicated conversations that come up when you have chronic illness that you're living with for a while, a lot of times in the system, we're, we're so busy with the patient load that that we start to focus in on just the basics. What is what do you need right now in this moment? And then we, you know, we refer out to specialists to private practitioners. So the hope is that the palliative care team wraps around your primary care doctor. That you're working together. You know, ideally, everyone has palliative care. Honestly, I mean, I like to tell people like we made up this rule. It's not like hospice care was created specifically only for people that no longer were getting treatment. It just happens to be that way because of our our payer system. But wouldn't it be lovely if you could just get the care that you need when you need it? 
So I, I just want to drill down just a little bit because once I understood this, I was able to help some family members around palliative care. So when you you see your regular doctors that that are helpful and maybe prescribing uh, drugs that are helpful or, or different programs that are helpful, then you wait for an appointment for another three months or six months. With palliative care, is that mm-hmm. similar where you just see somebody once or is it a regular check-in? It really depends, Laura. I mean, again, the, the right now the system is somewhat overburdened. You know, people are pretty stressed out and working a lot and seeing a lot of patients. And so even palliative care programs, there can be a wait list to get onto the palliative care team. Um, they don't have just openings available and they're available all the time. In an ideal reality, yes, you call when you need somebody and they're available for you, but it really depends on your community and your clinic and what their resources are. But I think for the most part, they do a really great job of at least trying to to stay connected to you and know what your needs are and get their resources out to you. And a lot of times they're doing it remotely and virtually. So there are more palliative care programs that are operating remotely so that people can at least have that connection. Uh, if they can't get in to see someone. That does sound like there's more flexibility. Um, You're listening to Embracing the Journey on KVMR. I'm Lori Burkhart-Frank, and my guests are Sonia Dolan, Mental Health Co-Founder and Director of Operations, and Lady Bird Morgan, Registered Nurse, Medical Social Worker, and Registered Cranial Sacral Therapist. Um, So on this show, we talk about death and the freedom that comes from developing a, a normalcy about talking about death and perhaps even a comfort. And I know you have a big event planned in Nevada City. Um, will you be talking about death at that time? And why is it important to bring all these speakers together? Yeah, thank you so much for asking about this. Um, to start, we are so lucky to be partnering um, with Hospice of the Foothills for this event. Um, they are a wonderful hospice in your community. And they are just um, fabulous providers for this type of hospice care. So we're really, really excited to be partnering with them on this. Um, You know, to answer your question, will we be talking about death? Um, I would say yes, Uh, but I don't know if it's under the guise of, hey, let's talk about death. Um, We're going to be talking about the caregiver and patient relationship and how it changes over time when you start in a romantic partnership and maybe move into someone who's taking care of someone else, what shifts in your relationship and how to roll with that. Um, We're going to be talking about architecture and intimacy and the world of tech and how to see your reality differently. So while a lot of these things are, you know, related, as I think most of life is related to death in some way, a lot of what we're going to be talking about is about living. But that's, I think, our biggest, um, one of our biggest goals at Metal is to shift this conversation away from it's about dying and say it's actually talking about living and living before you get sick and living while you are sick until you die. So we want to bring up topics that are about living because you are not dead when you get a diagnosis, but your, your world has definitely shifted. So yeah, mm-hmm. I think in some way we're always talking about it. Lady Bird, I don't know if you have any other thoughts about that. Yeah. I mean, I think that our hope is to re- sort of remind people that death is always a part, it's a, it's a part of life and it's not separate. And so you don't need to necessarily have even a, a private conversation just about death or only talk about death, but not include art. It, it, it's, it's included in everything. And so our hope is that we have a range of um, people coming up on the stage to share with with the audience, like what it's like to actually engage with life, and how that informs, you know, relating to death. I believe you're going to be talking at this event, Lady Bird. Is that true? 
I am. Um, some of the work that I've been doing recently has been with psychedelics and how that impacts um, people who are preparing to die and their communities, their family members and friends when they experience um, a psychedelic journey. Wow, that is very interesting. I think that's the first time that we've discussed that on this show. Can you tell us a, a little bit more about it? I can tell a little bit. I mean, you know, it's it's definitely a hot topic right now. And similar to anyone who's worked in hospice and understands hospice medications, there's always a desire to stretch out space and time for people to experience what time they have left with some spaciousness, with some comfort, with some ease. And there's a lot of focus on the fear of dying and what will happen and how will I die. And those fears can get overwhelming for some people and a lot of focus gets put on that. Psychedelics stretches things out for you for lack of any other you know, definition. And the individuals that I've worked with, what I've experienced is that they relax into what it means to be human, what it feels like to just be a part of the universe and to live and that dying is a part of that. It isn't this complicated thing that they're sort of being singled out for. It's just a part of what is available. And everyone that witnesses that person having that experience also gets to feel this softening, this relaxing around them around, oh, it's not so terrifying. It's not so horrible. Yes, it's sad. Yes, we'd rather it not happen right now, but we can actually be, we can be here for it. And that's a lot of what mental health is about is like not saying that things are not sad or hard or that you even like them or want them, but that we can show up for each other. And what does that look like? Well, it sounds very interesting. And and what's the date of this event? It's on August 17th, Thursday, August 17th. And where will it be? It's going to be at the Nevada Theater, which we are super excited about because Mm -hmm. of the um, gorgeous mural work that was redone on the inside recently. We walked in and just felt um, this connection to what was up on the walls and how we kind of talk about what it is to be alive at metal, this idea of connection to the universe. So just walking in and seeing all of that and the flora and fauna, it just felt like a perfect, perfect place for us. Well, it just gives me the tingles to hear you talk about that. It's really exciting. Um, and who should attend this? Uh, is it for just for health professionals, social workers, caregivers? I mean, we're, we're hoping that uh, all of those groups and more will want to come. You know, this is a conversation um, for everybody. And one of the things that we really want to do with this event is start to break down a bit of the um, versus wall when it comes to patient and caregivers versus clinicians, that they are also working with this system. They are also taking care of you, you know, when you are sick, and they are also human at the end of the day. So wanting to start to build a common understanding of what people are going through. But also, this is about living life and thinking about death, which is going to apply to all of us. So our hope is that, you know, we have patients, we have caregivers, we have social workers and clinicians in the audience, but also just someone who makes coffee or someone who delivers Mm -hmm. packages. This is applicable Mm -hmm. to all of us. So we would love to see members of the community there as well. So if somebody's listening to this and they're just an average person who's not usually comfortable thinking about chronic illness or terminal diagnosis or death and grieving, this is still something that might, especially, you know, it it sounds like I'm sure each of the speakers is going to be equally captivating, Lady Bird, but would you just provided was complete new thought for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would welcome anyone who doesn't have any experience, actually. That would be the audience that would, I think, benefit, benefit the most. But 
experience um, these new ideas and thoughts. And it's, it's very welcoming. You know, we're not here to push philosophies or you have to do this or you should do that. It's really about getting curious about where are we living? What's happening here? What's possible? What are the range of conversations that we could actually be having? And so much uh, for people who have chronic illness or even when it becomes terminal, the focus is really on illness. The focus is on the pain or trying to get out of those the discomfort and we you lose um, sense of the rest of the world. And a lot of times people come to metal and they want to talk about other things, actually. They do know how to talk about their illness. They do know how to talk about dying. They want to talk about gardening. They want to talk about what they remember about being young. They want to talk about a trip that maybe they're going to have or some funny book that they read. I mean, and so part of this event is to really bring in the rest of life and oh, how it informs everything. I, I'm yeah. feeling very inspired. <laughs> Um, I'd love to hear from both of you about any stories that that come to mind that you can share um, about the difference that mental health has made in the lives of the people with chronic illness or terminal diagnosis. Hmm. Yeah, Sonia, could you start? Yeah, no, I have a thought. Um, One of the favorite things that I have heard um, from someone who is in our community is that we provided a space for her to talk about her fears around dying. She's living with a terminal illness. She knows it's going to end her life um, sometime, you know, in the next couple years. And she's planning and thinking around that. Um, But hearing that we were able to create a space where she felt that she could say everything that she was not able to say to her partner or to her clinicians and just fully explore the breadth of the emotions that she was feeling and fear was one of them. Um, So hearing that um, has is something that I I hold with me all the time. And I'm very honored that we have we've been able to create that space for her. Well, on your Facebook Mm -hmm. site, I saw a graphic that I just loved. It's one of those old egg timers Um, at the top of it it says fear, disconnect, suffering and confusion. And and then where it gets really small, where the grains of sand go through, it shows palliative care and and it opens up at the bottom to possibility, focus, peace, and understanding. And I just mm. love the way that graphic looked to me. Mm. Yeah, actually, and that opening up to peace and understanding and makes me think about some of the, the, the people that I've worked with and the beautiful connections that they've been able to have because we're virtual. And I think this probably happens with other organizations now as well that are working virtually, but we get to have family meetings. So the brothers that live in another country, the Mm. cousin that's in another state who are so confused and distressed and not understanding how decisions are being made and why, and these family conversations are so powerful and beautiful. And you get to see and experience in the moment these moments of understanding and compassion towards each other and coming together onto the like onto one page. And it's, it's quite remarkable. I mean, even earlier in my work, when I've done family meetings, it, it was dependent on people being in the same town. And it's not quite the same if somebody calls in and everybody else is in the, the office with them. So these, this capacity to be able to meet with anybody. So mental health, when we have a client, we let them know that we will meet with anybody that's on their care team. If it's a friend, if it's a caregiver, if it's, a family member, it doesn't matter. We will talk with anyone, and that's quite open, which isn't always the case. Wow, that yeah, that does sound like it expands our our, our team of of care. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. uh, go ahead, Sonia. No, go ahead. 
I, I was just one of the other questions, because we're coming close to time, but I really wanted each of you to share um, something about some of the inspirational people that you either work with or have account- encountered through your work. Oh, gosh. Well, I'll go first. And I'm going to mention Lady Bird as one of the first people. So <laughs> I am uh, on top of BJ and Bridget and Natalie and Tom and Clarissa and all the Chris. I'm going to forget people, the names of the people that I get to work with at Metal, who I am just um, inspirational is is definitely the word. And there's lots of other wonderful words that go into it. But I have learned so much um, from all of them about just again, to be human and how to communicate and how to think about my relationships with people. So that's, that's really amazing for me to um, just be surrounded with people. Oh my gosh, Bridget, um, that Mm -hmm. I think are just amazing human beings and show up and support Mm -hmm. our clients in ways that they cannot get elsewhere. So I'm just, I, every day is really great because of that. And then, you know, um, there are some people that we have met who, um, through the metal community, some are clients, some are not. And the way that they speak about their experiences, their illness and their, their death and dying, what is coming up for them, um, is in ways that I have never witnessed before. And I hope that for myself, I am able to be in the same mindset and speak so eloquently and beautifully and think so deeply about what I'm going through and allow everything in in the way that these people are so i'm i'm all all sides i've got people i work with and people Mm. that we're caring for who are just really wonderful human beings well thank you sonia what about you ladybird oh (laughs) i know this is a hard question for you both (laughs) it is a hard question but sonia i mean i'll honestly say that sonia is absolutely one of my inspirations mostly because of how positive and um, continuing to just move forward, no matter what comes up in this in this challenge of starting up an organization and, a, and an offering that is so vast and wide, um, that really is no question or challenge that I have ever had or that any client has ever had that Sonia doesn't say, okay, great, I'll take care of that. And she absolutely does. And it's amazing. So I think for me, I mean, there's plenty of clients and all of the staff that we work with, but Sonia's dedication to showing up and finding a way is, is actually very inspirational. I don't know that I've always worked with people with such a positive attitude. Well, I am so feel so fortunate that we've been able to get both of you on this call tonight. And we are coming up really close to the end. Amazing. So first of all, I want to know, what's the website or a good way to contact mm-hmm. Metal Health if people want to know more information? Yeah, anyone listening, you can go to our website, which is www.metalhealth.com. And like you mentioned, Lori, it's M-E-T-T-L-E health.com. And then anytime anyone wants to shoot us an email, I I am the one who will respond. And that's info at metalhealth.com. So I-N-F-O at metalhealth.com. And, you know, we're, we're here to answer questions. If you're not sure, you know, if you do need help or you're just kind of thinking about it, let us know. We're, we're mm-hmm. here to kind of help um, walk people through anything they might be thinking about or questioning. Yeah. And in the, like 30 seconds for each of you, um, what do you want listeners to remember? Or any final thoughts? Um, Ladybird? Mm, I think at this moment, just that that there's nothing to master, that we're learning this together and to continue to be curious about what you don't know. And I certainly, that's what inspires me and keeps me going in this is that I know that there's always more for me to discover. So just to know that we're all learning this together um, and to please come along with us. 
And mm. Sonia, your last thoughts or, or what you want oh, listeners? That was, that was such a good one. I'm going <laughs> to kind of tag on to you, Lady Bird. Just be open to change. I've um, I've used that um, language for myself after I came into hospice and palliative care, and it's made a huge difference, you know, in um, many aspects of my life. And I think when we're open, like Lady Bird said, to mystery and to change, a lot of things really open up in ways that are different and potentially very positive. Yeah. Well, it's just been a delight to to talk to you both, and it's really uh, also a really honor that we're having the event. We're ca- you're calling it the um, annual convening? Yes, yeah. The and first annual so convening. For, for letting us talk about it. Yeah, we're really excited to be there. It's such a beautiful community, so we hope people will come out and hang out with us all day. Yes. Well, thank you both, and you're listening to Embracing the Journey on KVMR. I'm Lori Burkhart-Frank, and my guests tonight have been Sonia Dolan, Mental Health co-founder and the uh, director of operations. And we've had also Lady Bird, Morgan, registered nurse, medical social worker, and registered cranial sacral therapist. You can tune in and listen to Embracing the Journey on the fourth Tuesday of each month at 630. Thanks for tuning in.